So, Rob, um, I would like you to tell me your most memorable story about moving to Berlin. There's a lot of them. The first one that would come to my mind is uh, the day that I flew in when I very first moved here. This was uh, mm -hmm. June 2015. Mm -hmm. Flew into Tegel Airport. I had a guitar, uh, my camera gear, and two backpacks full of clothes, and that was it. Mm -hmm. So anyways, I fly in. Super haggard, had like this brutal emotional like departure from Seattle and I'm in a new city and then uh, <laughs> I'm sitting outside of Tegel Airport and I see three punks walking across the bus waiting zone out front of Tegel. Mm -hmm. They're carrying a large banner that they had just made earlier that day that said, Welcome to Hell. Oh, I didn't. You posted a picture of that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing that. That's good. That's yeah. good. That's good. <clears throat> so, <laughs> Berlin's not so much hell, though. No, no, no. It was quite the opposite. But it was, it was, it was like really endearing, you know? Yeah, like they yeah, they yeah, showed yeah, up yeah, and. Yeah, yeah. I'm like super disoriented. I'm like, holy shit, I just moved to Germany. Like, what the fuck am I doing? Right. And then they come by with a huge banner that says, Welcome to Hell. And uh would have been really <coughs> funny if you were moving to Helsinki. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so they had a cold beer waiting for me, which was really nice. Yeah, I'm so very German. Anyways, so. they bring they bring me a beer. You know, introduce myself, hanging out, and they're like, "Okay, well, uh, Max can't get you until tomorrow, so tonight we can put you up at uh, Nico's flat, and uh, we just have to like take the train to get back there." I'm like, "Okay, cool." Yeah. So they're okay. helping me carry my shit, mm -hmm. and I'm I've got like, you know, a big backpack, and I've got like two hands full of stuff. They've got you know my other stuff, and we uh, get on. Initially, we get on the Tegel bus, and then we get on the S-Bahn. The S-Bahn is the name of one of the subway systems in Berlin. Yeah, it's the above-ground train. Yeah. They got the S-Bahn and the U-Bahn. Yeah, okay, so you guys are on the train. So I'll, the I'll, I get on the train, yeah. and, you know, so I'm carrying a bunch of stuff. I've got, like, you know, a guitar, I've got my backpack, and I'm holding a beer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, we get on the S-Bahn, I, I go to sit down, and... While I'm trying to like navigate getting a bag off and putting stuff in the seat, I spill at least half of a beer, of a half liter of beer on this like <laughs> immaculately dressed like. No, you spill it on somebody else. <laughs> I spilled it all over this poor girl who was. Oh, you got to spill it on yourself. Oh, no. I wanted to welcome to Berlin. <laughs> I wanted to spill it on myself, but like I couldn't. And you yeah, know, as soon as the train yeah, yeah, starts moving, just this beer just flies uh, and just splashes yeah. all over this girl. And you know, she's probably used to living in Berlin though. That's just, yeah, I felt so. Berlin is a lot I felt of so beer. so bad. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah. And I'm going through my stuff, trying to find a shirt or a towel or something uh, that she can use to like wipe herself off. And mm -hmm. the four of us are like, you know, going through stuff, trying to like find something. She just like gives up and like yeah. leaves. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it was just one of those like funny things of trying to land gracefully yeah, and, course, course, you know, course. falling flat on your face. What time of day was this? Maybe like 12 p.m. or something. Uh, okay, okay, okay. And I, you know, I barely slept on the flight and getting beer spilled on you on the train at 12 o'clock in the afternoon is not, uh, not normal in Berlin. No. I mean, 12 o'clock at night. Sure. That's going to happen. It just, it just does. Yeah. So that was one of many very funny, uh, weird experiences. I felt like the first month, two months that I lived in Berlin, were just nothing but really awkward, strange experiences. Spilled beer over a strange woman. Cool. Making friends yep. from, from <laughs> the get-go. Off to a good start. <laughs> okay. <laughs> how, about, how about you? What, what's, a, what's a memorable, like... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't come prepared. 
I didn't know what we were t- going to talk about. Student, the student <laughs> becomes the teacher. No, no, no. It's not like that. You had the good idea for what we were going to talk about. I mean, there's the weird thing about when you move to a different city and you don't realize the little things like going to the uh, drugstore to buy, you know, uh, I don't know, toiletries. Is that what you call it? Toiletries. Toothpaste. Okay, which one of these is toothpaste? All right. Well, uh, this one's got a picture of teeth on it, so it could either be denture cleanser or toothpaste. I'm not sure. I'm just going to go out on a limb and buy it. See what happens. Um, and then I needed to buy face scrub because I have very oily skin, so I got to have, like, like scrubby face scrub. And I was trying to find it in the store, and I found uh, what I thought was it, and, but it said peeling on it. And I'm like... Uh, but it looks right. It looks like it's got the scrubbers inside. And my friend that I was with uh, was like, he had just moved here too. He's like, but peeling doesn't sound right. What if your face completely peels off? And I'm like, I don't know, but it still, it looks, oh, fuck it, I'm taking a chance. So there's those little things like that, of things that you you figure, okay, I moved to a different country. You go learn the language, you got to figure it, but you don't. Realize some of the day-to-day mundane stuff is going to be very difficult, you know? Like, I think I talked about this on the first episode. You know, you know, you, you have to figure out uh, what what push and pull are on a door. Drücken and, uh, and uh, the other one. Zien. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so you end up, you know, I, I still do this. I still push on the pull door and pull on the push door, you know. Uh, takes a minute. It's like learning how to ride a bike all over again. Have you gotten to the point living here so long that you don't feel like an outsider anymore? Or does that feeling still persist every day? Yeah, I mean, it persists in some things, but in some things it doesn't. Like I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday and she was asking me which train she should take to the district vetting from where I'm at, which is Lichtenberg District. And I said, oh, well, you got to take, you know, one of, one, of the, one of the trains from Nullnerplatz, which is a train station by my house, go over to Ostkreuz and then get on uh, one of the Ringbahn uh, trains, you know, which does a ring around the city. And she said, uh, well, what numbers are those? I said, oh, well, the seven, the three, and the five, and the nine come from Nullner, but then you got to catch a, I can't remember, it's a 41 or the 42 that does the ring. And it was interesting because I was like, wow, I've lived here so long. I already know all the subway numbers that are relevant to, to where I'm going without even thinking about it, you know. So that was interesting. But I still pull on a push door and pull push on a pull door. So. Some things you get right away. Some things take time and, and some things I think you'll never get, you know. What's an example of something that you still will never get? The fucking language, man. German is a tough language <laughs> yeah. to learn. Even Germans don't like learning German. <laughs> Spanish friend of mine has lived here for, oh shit, probably 10 years now. And he barely speaks any German. And he just says, man, life's just too short to learn German. <laughs> Imagine all the other things I could learn how to do. And uh, in Berlin, you really don't need to know German so much to get by, you know? I mean, I got a bank account. I got a, I got a, a phone plan. I got uh, a, a German license, you know, registered my address, did all that without barely speaking the language, you know? Outside of language, are there any other things that make you realize that you're a stranger in a strange land, so to speak? I mean, uh, language is usually the thing that stands out the most, but uh, cultural differences, you know, is I think what you're asking about. I don't know. You tell me. Well, there's a lot of. I didn't come. There's prepared. a lot of. There's a lot of things. <laughs> I'm just gonna be asking you a lot of questions. Though the thing that hit me right off the bat was the checkout experience in the grocery oh, yeah. store. Okay, okay. Well, they they, they 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 check stuff out really fast. You know, they're like they're like speedy checkers. The German checkers. Yeah. Yeah. They just are. In Germany, no one bags your groceries for you. That's right. up to you. Right, right. You have to remember to bring a bag or to grab one of Actually their for one. their yeah. their prepared bags right, right. Uh, to pay right off the bat. 
Otherwise, you're just standing there like an idiot, which yeah. happened to me the first time I started traveling Europe. They were looking at me like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. I don't know. And it's such a different experience because like the, the checkers sitting down, they're not standing yeah, up yeah. and they're just passing your shit through Man, the scanner through as fast as humanly yeah. can possibly go. And you are in a psychological race uh, with this checker to match their speed and to get your stuff yeah. into your bag as fast as humanly possible. So by the time they're done, you're basically done. Yeah. And you might you might have a few things left, but then you have to pay. Once you pay, you right. get them preoccupied for a couple seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get the rest of the stuff in your bag. You grab your shit and you get, get the, the fuck, fuck out of there as fast as you can. Because yeah. otherwise, you get the you get the fury and the rage of mm -hmm. the checker. Yeah. You get all the impatient people in line behind you, and it, it's a really it's a really stressful thing. And I've never really because, mastered it because everybody in line behind you is judging you. Like it's a contest, you know, yeah. and you, and you, you, you want to uh, succeed at the contest. They're, they're basically holding, you envision them holding scorecards and, and, oh man, I got a, I got a one on that, on that <laughs> fucking round. God damn it. You know, uh, couldn't get the thing in the thing and the pocket wouldn't open. Mm -hmm. Oh, fuck. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You feel like apologizing yeah. every time you're done, you know? Yeah. And it, it always gets stressful in the person in front of you. Maybe if they don't have a whole lot of groceries, you start putting your stuff on the conveyor belt and the, the checker starts moving the conveyor belt. Yeah. So now you're you even have more stress to get the stuff on the belt by yep. the time it's your turn to be checked. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. otherwise, you're still going to be putting stuff on the belt while they're checking your stuff. And then that's not where you want to be. And then you end up in this I Love Lucy uh, chocolate factory oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, scenario. And yeah. uh, it's just, it's really bad. Yeah. I wonder if anyone's died. I don't know. I'm, I was just thinking about the first time I bought beers from a, a actual grocery store instead of a, you know, a late shop. I put them all on the, on the belt standing up. Because <laughs> you don't, if you go to a store, a grocery store in the States, you buy a six pack. You can put a six pack on the belt standing up, no big deal. But here, normally you buy individual beers because they sell the half liter of beers. And so you grab, you know, four or five, whatever you carry, you put them on. And I put them all standing up. And as soon as they moved the belt, all of them fell down. And everybody was looking at me like, what a fucking asshole. <laughs> So you actually have to put them on the belt laying down, you know, that is the, the, the things you have to learn and you have to learn them real quick, you know, and you, you usually learn them by a failure, you know, yeah. you fail first and then you learn your lesson. You go, oh, okay, that's how I do it, you know. But uh, isn't that how we always learn is by failing first? You I think know? so. I think most of my life has been a series of letdowns. Letdowns. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> We'll call back to episode two for you. Uh, was that episode intent. two? That wasn't episode two. Okay. I found my experience in Berlin to be a series of uh, information that I should have known yeah. before getting myself into a situation. Right. And then learning the hard way that that's not how you do things. Like uh, when I first started taking uh, the ring bond. So German Berlin is similar to cities like Tokyo where you've got... Um, a circular line of trains that go that make a circle around like the breadth of the city. Right. So you can get a circular line, a circular <laughs> line. Where is you, it a line or is it a circle? It's definitely it's a, a line, line that goes in a circle. circle. <laughs> so if you need to get from one end of town to the other, you take the ring yeah. and the ring will get you through like, the whole city really fast comparatively yeah. to taking trains that go through the entire city yeah. in a straight line. Yeah, yeah. So when I started, um, cause they're hitting all the outer neighborhoods exactly. that aren't quite as busy. So when I was taking the ring bond for the first time, uh, I kept just assuming that any time I was on a platform where the ring stopped ah, that any train that i was on was or got on, on was going to be on a ring and right. so so many times i was some of them just don't. i was just going to ride the train for like some a couple stops to go visit a friend yeah, and where the fuck am i i'm looking around and oh. shit i'm i'm not even in the ring anymore i'm in the right. wild wild west right 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 or wild wild east yeah. which is it all looks very bavarian or 
very uh, communist era yeah. architecture. Yeah. yeah. Like where I live. Mm -hmm. all, all very Lego style apartment buildings. Yeah. There's a lot of yellow concrete, yeah. in, especially in my neighborhood. Every other apartment building is painted fucking yellow. The view from my window in the kitchen uh, is yellow. You know, the, the outside of the flat that we're recording this in, my apartment is yellow. <laughs> and this entire apartment was yellow on the inside when I moved in and I had to... The paint on the walls was yellow. Everything was yellow. Oh, that's was, fucked up. Uh, everything was yellow. That's fucked up. But I was, I was talking to a friend the other day about the yellow and we're just wondering, did East Germans just paint everything yellow because everything in the city was so gray? And I think so. if you painted it yellow, then maybe you kind of have this like... Uh, sense of there being sunshine and like yes. life and and stuff you no know? i think so i think so um because you know i mean I'm, I'm i don't know for a fact but i'm pretty positive that they really didn't paint any of the concrete before the wall came down you know i always felt when i was growing up that i was an outsider yeah my mother comes from thailand my dad is white american of irish descent your dad was born in America, though. Yeah. Okay. okay, okay. Yeah, a few generations right. before his I family came across the pond. I knew that. I just wanted to clear that up <laughs> with the viewer. Uh, with the viewers of this podcast. <laughs> oh, listener. So, okay. <laughs> you know, I'd always felt like kind of an outsider, yeah. like almost my whole experience in mm -hmm. the U.S. But when you grow up in the U.S., you have like an innate sense of push and pull on the doors you yeah, yeah. you know you you have the system down right. so when i came here it was like you learn it before you even know you're learning it definitely so coming here was like a double experience because a didn't wasn't fluent and super comfortable with the language wasn't familiar with german customs or mm -hmm. sense of politeness or what how you act in social situations mm -hmm. and just being an outsider just being a you know, non-native German trying to navigate the system and assimilate into a, a system here. So it's a, it's been a really weird uh, roller coaster-ish five years of yeah. you know, having to kind of learn how to tie your shoes again from right. from ground up. Like uh, like uh, they call uh, New Year's Eve Sylvester mm -hmm. in 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 Germany, and that took me a minute when people were asking me what I was doing for Sylvester. I barely know the guy. <laughs> Why would I do anything for Sylvester? What's he done for me? <laughs> uh, Danka dear, which is thank you. But uh, uh, most most people know that Danka means thanks, but we don't know Danka dear means thank you. So somebody will say Danka dear. You're like, oh, well, that's awfully nice of you to <laughs> call me a, a dear, but you know. I'll I barely it. know you, Sylvester. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I wanted to know, we were talking about some stuff, uh, and it kind of came up in my head. Was there a moment when you were just like uh, uh, thinking about having thrown away all, your whole life in the, in the States, moved to a foreign fucking country where you barely know anyone, barely know the language, barely know the customs and the culture, and, and you were like, what the fuck? fuck did i just do and should i keep doing this or should i just move back home i would say the the first half of my experience in berlin was was yeah. like that back and forth every other day the difference though was that berlin has such a vibrant subculture such a vibrant nightlife yeah. there's so many like amazing art-related stuff going on. There was so much entertainment and distraction and fun to be had right. that it kind of canceled out the self-doubt a lot. Yeah, any anytime you feel like, uh, what the fuck have I just done? You just go do something fun, you know? Yeah. And uh, then you realize, oh, right, this is, this is why I did this, you know? Doing just about anything can be frustrating, or you can also look at it as entertaining as well, you know? Every time I got caught in a cyclone of self-doubt around my validity of being here, mm -hmm. I kind of went back to that original motivation and started thinking about it and then realized, you know, most of my worries about being here are coming from within. Did you have any daily affirmations to 
remind yourself why you moved here? Because I had one. You had a daily affirmation? Yeah. Like you'd, you'd go in the mirror and you'd say, I'm good enough, no, I'd, smart I'd, enough. Yeah, uh, more or less like that. that. people like me. Uh, when I moved here, I wasn't working so much. I didn't really know anybody, and I didn't know really how to get around even. Uh, it took me a while before I would even take a bus by myself because when you get on the bus, you have to get a ticket from the bus driver. So that takes that whole like asking for it. And I don't, I didn't know what to say to ask for it. And then they would talk to you and, and the bus drivers won't speak English to you, you know? So uh, it was just a little bit panicked about taking a bus. I just always took the train everywhere, no matter how far I'd have to walk from the train. Cause you just buy a ticket from the machine and the machine is easy. So, um, it was really rough the first uh, first year I, I moved here, and uh, my daily affirmation was I would get home at the end of the at the end of the day, and the night, whatever, and kind of usually drink by myself and watch TV, and I would I would say to myself, "Well, at least I didn't step in dog shit today." Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of dog shit on the streets of Berlin. That's true, and that was kind of. Kind of a you know it was a it was a win for the day. Well, I, I mean I didn't step in dog shit, so okay, you know. Yeah. I don't know if I really had any daily affirmations or anything like that, but I would score little victories, like uh, <clears throat> like the first time I got my cell phone contract, that was like a yeah, victory, yeah, yeah. or I got a bank account, or right. uh, registered for an apartment, and got like a you know, my first contract here, like all, all of those things were victories right. and they're seemingly mundane, normal day-to-day existence things that mm-hmm. aren't really victories. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, okay, like in adjusting to this new life, I made adjustments and I figured out, I figured out how to order a beer in German. And I, I figured right. out how to tell the cashier at the grocery store I was paying by card, you know, like all, all of these things became uh, little advancements yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. slowly. Definitely, you know? definitely. I mean, one of my memorable ones was uh, when I got my German license. Uh, wasn't that uh, I got the license. It was that I walked into the uh, license department you know and and, and in the the building there's uh, different rooms for every kind of license you need so I had to ask the lady in German you know where's the where's the driver's license office and she told me take the stairs to the third floor up and I walked off and I was like oh (laughs) I just did that (laughs) I asked her and I understood (laughs) so the the actual getting the license part wasn't a big deal just that I could uh, I I was able to maneuver through a a German bureaucracy moment you know was to me very very satisfying yeah for those who don't know uh, the German system is riddled with very, very complicated bureaucracy. And my friend Jared put it very well one day where he said it's a process-based system versus a results-based system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's a really hard thing to get through. Like, I always thought that the DMV in the U.S., I always thought the DMV was, like, the worst shit you ever had to deal with as like a citizen of a country like right. sitting here waiting forever and like everyone's mad and you know when i first started navigating german bureaucracy mm-hmm. i was like i will never complain about being in a dmv ever again because that is cake compared to this but in the end like you know all the stuff that used to really irk me about the german system kind of went away and now it's just part of and just part of every day part of every know? day and it's uh, not so uh impending but at the right. time when you're first having to you know navigate registering your address right you know that in itself was like this huge mountainous obstacle that mm-hmm. was like impossible to navigate by yourself if you weren't fluent in german no it is know? And, and fluent with the system because in the states you go to a building you take a number when your number comes up you go to the window and then you have your transaction here you get online to make the actual appointment for when you have to be there but they give you your number 
when you make the appointment. So then you go to the proper floor that your uh, that the office is located on, and you have to look at the reader board and wait for your number that you got online to come up and go to the office that uh, it tells you to go to. And if you don't know any of that, then you can walk onto that floor and just be like, uh, okay, what the fuck do I do now? Everybody's looking at this sign with these numbers on it. Then what happens, you know? Mm. Uh, Do you have have an example of a, a piece of German bureaucracy or existence involving government or without that you actually think is better? than what you're used to yeah i mean i like the fact that uh you don't have to uh just uh i mean uh, at at our dmv you you get a number but then man you have to wait two hours sometimes and it's just like what the fuck here you have to wait you can't just walk in and take a number you have to make an appointment and sometimes your appointment will be months and months in advance you know and it seems like you have to wait for fucking ever. But every time I've gone to the uh, the, the office, uh, you just have to wait like 10 minutes for your number to come up. And then you go see your person to talk to. So I really appreciate that fact that the, they have made that very, very efficient. What do you think the most defining characteristic of Berlin is? Um, people who think garbage is art. <laughs> Can you elaborate, please? East das Kunst or Kanes Weg, which in German means, is this garbage or, or no, it means, is this art or can we throw it away? <laughs> but uh, yeah, constantly you're walking around the streets or driving down the uh, streets or doing whatever down the streets, you know? <laughs> but, uh, as long as it's street. However, you want to get down the street. I don't give a shit, you know? Uh, walk, run, or crawl. Uh, but yeah, you see so much public garbage that they consider art, or so much public art that I would consider garbage. I don't know what the the proper way to put that would be, but yeah, it's a it's a running joke in my head anyway. See, I'm biased yeah. because I think almost all public art is trash. Yes, of course. My sister, except well, I mean, if you go to Rome, I mean, a lot of that. A lot of the fine art that we study in, in art history. Uh, I have a minor in art history from from university, by the way. And uh, a lot of the stuff we study as fine art was uh, public art. So, you know, modern public art. Yeah. It's pretty garbage. Modern public art. It's, nah. My sister yeah. Julie and I have a running joke about modern public art. I mean, yeah. We're always taking pictures of the worst examples of it that we can find and yeah. we send it to each other and oh cool i'm gonna start taking pictures in berlin and sending them to you yeah yeah definitely <laughs> definitely how about you what's your defining characteristic of berlin culturally to me the essence of berlin is grabbing beers from a spady mm-hmm. meeting your friends in a park mm-hmm. you know the whole city is your bar kind of yeah, kind of thing yeah, and you grab beers and you meet with people and you hang out and you have like a casual nice time like that's that's one aspect of it yeah also berlin is one of the few actual like cultural melting pots i've really ever seen you know now define a melting pot i'm talking about a confluence of a bunch of different people from different nationalities backgrounds all kind of like coexisting surprisingly fairly peacefully Mm-hmm. in a large metropolitan area mm-hmm. comparatively to the rest of even Europe. Yeah, you know, yeah. Berlin is a fairly nonviolent city. Now there's not to say that there isn't a fair share of like violent crime that happens here, yeah, but I think comparatively to what I'm used to in the States, it's very, very, very low. Yeah, exactly. And overall there seems to be this general sense of hey we're all in berlin we're all just trying to make it and get by and we're all going to be relatively pleasant about it (laughs) now i don't want to say that i see the city with rose tinted glasses because there's definitely a lot of shit that happens here but i'm very surprised that i live in a city this big where i don't really ever feel the imminent threat of violence or especially gun-related violence. No, yeah, definitely not gun-related violence here. 
I mean, here, if you want to commit a crime, you have to fill out three stacks of paperwork <laughs> to get a license to yeah. think about doing it in the first place anyway. Yeah, you, have to, you have to make an appointment online yeah, to exactly, get the paperwork. Exactly. Do you think living in Germany is easier than living in the United States? I don't know. I would like to ask you that question. I'm I'm not doing the thinking. This, good this good time. pivot. I'm not doing the thinking this time. You you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just gonna laugh at what you say. <laughs> I, I find I find that like a. I'm the sidekick in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I find that half. <laughs> yes. Half the time, <laughs> it is. Half the time, it's more difficult. But the things that are easy versus difficult are widely varied between the U.S. and Germany. I, f I find that it can be very hard to connect with people here. Yeah. A lot of people move to Berlin to kind of reinvent or change themselves in some way. Mm -hmm. And because of that, there's an atmosphere where there's a lot of people who don't really want to have super close connections. Yeah. You know, they're, they want to have like a party. They want like a bunch of people around, but they don't really want to be super closely connected with people right, because right. it makes them vulnerable right and vulnerability is kind of seen as a weakness here i feel like yeah and, and as you're inventing yourself you know you don't want to be tied down to any particular notion of self so and i think also uh people come and go from berlin so quickly that uh it's kind of like uh why bother meeting somebody who's new you know yeah like, oh, you'll just be gone in a year or two anyway, you know, when you finally figure out who you are and, and move on to another city, you know. Yeah. Whereas, like, the experience in my experience in Seattle was, like, quite the opposite. It's a much smaller city. Yeah. But uh, when you make friends there, they're, they're your friends for life. Yeah. And you, I have very, very, very close connections with my friends in Seattle mm -hmm. that I cherish very much. And... Uh, I found that hard to replicate here. Now, yeah, not to say that it's yeah. impossible, because I obviously did make some really amazing friends living here. Yeah. Um, but it's harder, I think, to find. But people say that about Seattle too. There's the yes, Seattle freeze, yeah. you know, yeah. where like you know outsiders find a really hard time breaking in. So I think there's always sort of this uh, notion of locals versus outsiders thing that happens almost anywhere you live. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think also the Seattle freeze didn't really come up until, I mean, I grew up there, so I never really experienced it. Uh, I already had friends from the beginning, but uh, I think it happened after, after you moved to Seattle, you know, where it became a thing, you know, so many people moved to Seattle that it was another place where it's like, oh, you're new to town. Who gives a shit? Everybody's new to town. You know, what the fuck do I care about? meeting another fucking new person who I'll only be friends with for a limited time, yeah. you know? I mean, I think when you make a friend, you want to think that uh, this person's going to be a friend of mine for a long time, not, okay, this is a nice person to drink with for a couple couple months, maybe a year, and then they're going to move on to a different different city, you know? So, yeah. how about you? How about me what? How about you, like... Uh, how about you? The, the question that I'd originally asked you before you just threw it back in my face. Well, you can't ask me a question if you don't already know your own answer. I do that all the time. Oh, okay, That's how okay. I've coasted through half of my life. Okay. okay. I, but, was just, I was just trying to throw it back on But you for again. you, like, <laughs> what do you find harder than being in the States and what do you find easier? People always do ask me, like, why do you like living in Berlin so much? And I'd say, man, it's just, it's just easier to live over there. And people ask, uh, so explain that. What do you mean by easier to live over there? And it's hard to actually explain it. It's just a, a feeling I have when I'm here that I don't really stress so much. I mean, when you see a cop here, you don't get that instant paranoia of like, what the fuck do I did wrong? You know? Uh, it's almost the Berlin attitude of when you see a cop, it's like, what the fuck are you doing here? You know, uh, go get me a glass of water. You know. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> do, do you do you know this story about the? Uh, it came up right when I moved here, so I don't know if you heard about it. But on uh, uh, 
Okay, to explain, a lot of uh, apartments in Berlin have coal heaters to where you actually buy the coal yourself and you put it in the heater and it heats up your room. Um, and then to add on to that, there's a street in Berlin called Riger and it's where a lot of the semi-legal illegal housing is and the cops raided all the semi-illegal housing on that street and took all their coal away from them saying that oh well this could be used against the cops in a riot you know so they confiscated all the coal briquettes so the the legal housing the neighbors that were in legal housing they all got together and uh put their put their coal together and dumped it on the steps of the police office precinct and said well, here you go. You, you wanted it. Why didn't you take ours? Mm -hmm. And it was like a really nice, uh, uh, I, I, I can't remember the term for it. You know, uh, you know unified re resistance in, in sort of a fuck you. We're dumping a bunch of coal on your steps and there's a reason for it. You know, I'm not telling stories very good today. That's all right. <laughs> I enjoyed that one. I thought it was nice. It's a great story. Yeah. Cops were shamed in the process. It's yeah. always a good story. What do you call that form of resistance? Like when Rosa Parks uh, wouldn't sit at the back of the bus. I think it's civil disobedience. Civil disobedience, right? That was exactly that was the term I was looking for. It was a good, good civil disobedience. Of, fuck you. Here's all our coal. Now you fucking do something with it, you know? And stuff like that happens in Berlin, which is which is just fucking cool, you know? Yeah, I was really impressed that. Uh, the residents of Kreuzberg fought so vehemently against Google having a campus there oh, that right. Google actually just oh. pulled oh. pulled the cord out and we're just like, all right, this isn't going to be safe for our like you know tech warlords to take over, so right. we're going to find some other place to colonize, you know, and like right. uh, there is this innate sense of uh, resistance and rebellion in Berlin that I really appreciate very much mm -hmm. that, you know, people even outside of like extreme left wing scenes will uh, take to the streets and protest when they don't believe yeah, in something. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's a really important detail, right. you know, because I feel like this notion of protest got so demonized in the States and just, mm -hmm so blamed on the stereotype of a radical left, you know, activist that it took the, what in my opinion is actual patriotism out of rebellion mm -hmm. and resistance when you feel like your country is going in the wrong direction or right. doing something that you disagree with, that you make some sort of public stance about it. Yeah. Well, in, in the States, I think a lot of the attitude is not my fucking problem. You know, it's my neighbor's problem. You know, and here, even though, you know, the the punk houses uh, are getting harassed by the cops, the neighbors who don't give a shit about that uh, subculture at all anyway are still banding together and, and uh, you know, have a sense of unity with their neighbors, whether they're into the same thing or not, whether they're from the same place or not, or lifestyle or anything. It's, it's always, it's like... Uh, we're, we're in this together when we help each other out, you know. Um, I remember one time I was taking uh, taking the subway here and uh, there was a guy on the on the train sleeping, you know. And looked like an old drunk guy, you know, not trying to make judgments. But, you know, sometimes you could just tell by looking at somebody. And the cops were trying to... Trying to get him awake to get him off the train because he could only take the train with one ticket for an hour and he'd obviously been on longer than an hour so they were harassing him and some guy randomly the next to me stood up and started yelling at the the cops in german like leave the leave the fucking guy alone what is your problem you know he's sleeping he's not he's not hurting anybody you know and it was kind of like uh, this guy didn't know this guy but this guy still gives a shit about this guy as a human being, mm -hmm. you know? And I think people give a shit about more about their, their, their fellow human being as a human being here more than the States in the States. It's more like, uh, 
I want what's mine and everyone else can fuck off, you know? See, it's interesting you say that because I've seen the opposite here too. Like if you're on the train and somebody like drops their bag of groceries or something and all their stuff spills out, I've seen so many instances where nobody really will like, I see this where everybody would help out, you know? Maybe we're just taking different trains. Could be different trains. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like this is a place if you drop something, people will pick it up and, and, and come running and help you out, you know? Sometimes, but the German freeze is a real thing too. And I well, think like yeah, a, that's true, that's true. There's a general I think when it comes to the cops though, it's more of a unity, you know. I mean, I think uh, if the cops do something fucked up then if, if if an individual spills something, it's like, well, you know. But when there's police involved, people stick together. Yeah, and particularly if the police are involved in, you know, killing somebody in the line of duty, it is like a nationwide oh, scandal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it is all over the papers and everyone's yeah. in the streets. And it's like, it's a really, really big deal where for years, Americans had kind of gotten uh, desensitized to it. Yeah. And it's interesting and refreshing to see in recent years, people are really taking that more seriously mm -hmm. because it's really terrible when you become desensitized to state violence. No, yeah, yeah exactly. Anyways, yeah. Um, we covered a lot of really interesting ground about this sort of notion of, you know, ground about you're a ground about. <laughs> god damn it this was a terrible idea <laughs> yeah but sometimes the most terrible ideas are the most interesting ones that's true like, like when you said to me at a, at a casino one time oh you don't know how to play craps i'll show you how to play craps <laughs> five minutes and a thousand dollars later i looked at him i'm like wow you're a real shit teacher <laughs> Hey, he didn't say it was good. <laughs> right. He just said he was going to teach I'll show you. you how to play craps. He didn't say I'll show you how to win at craps. So, so what do you got? I, I would just say uh, the one thing I miss most right now during all this pandemic stuff that we're all living through is just not being able to travel. Yeah. And oh, I would fuck, think yeah, like uh, maybe next time we can share some travel stories yeah we have lots oh that'd be good that'd and, be a good um, fucking uh, yeah well, it might be like mm. a nice way mm. to kind of live vicariously through our travel experiences that yeah. we're currently not allowed to have i mean it's 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 funny because the the thing i've brought up a few times was was i i miss uh people from seattle not being able to travel here but I never really thought about the fact that I haven't been able to travel as well, you know? Seriously? That's all I've been thinking about this entire fucking year. I mean, I know. Me too. But at but the same time... When it, when it, when it, when the when the subject kept coming up, I was more concerned about other people not being able to come visit me. It's weird. Yeah. You, you wouldn't think that, you know? You'd think it, I would be more focused on myself not being able to travel but i really do miss people coming and visiting here you know yeah. i mean we've been lucky living here through the summer i mean we were able to sneak at sneak in some camping trips and yeah. some you know mushroom foraging adventures yeah. on the outskirts of berlin so it's not like we've been completely stuck in one place but i really i'm really craving travel yeah. these days so i think it might be nice to you know, we could share some travel stories. Oh, we yeah, could, yeah. We, could, we could do a whole episode about traveling instead of uh, where do you live now and where did you live before? And it can also be like, uh, how do you get from point A to point B? Yeah. Uh, point A to point A and a half. <laughs> I'm bringing it back to the first episode. You always got to bring it back. It always comes back to underwear. And back to underwear. How's your underwear doing today, by the way? Underwear's fantastic today. I think I think I got a good pair on. But yeah, I mean, you never know until you sit on a train for an hour. You really never know. I think that's the uh, that's the litmus test of underwear, you know? Uh, can you comfortably <laughs> sit on a train for an hour? It really is, you know? That's how I would review underwear. 
Okay, well, we'll talk about the ins and outs of uh, underwear theory. The ins and outs. Make sure you got them on the right way. <laughs> Make sure you got them on. Okay, okay, okay. Here's what I was thinking about. Um, sometimes, do you have to wash them and wear them many times before they actually fit properly? Because I feel like a good set of underwear should just be ready to go out of the gates, you know? But some I have found, because uh, I, I, I was saying earlier, uh, many weeks ago, that uh, I, I had bought at least three different brands that didn't fit. Uh, it it got up to about four, maybe even five. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shy away from the topic, but I found that a few pairs. Uh, actually, the more I washed them and wore them, the better they got. Is it like jeans? You know, where you gotta kind of wash them and wear them a few times before they really get perfect. You know, I think it depends. You know? I think it depends on the format of the underwear, like. Uh, Underwear format. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, like, uh, you know, something like boxers maybe don't really require a lot of breaking in because they're right. loose in general. But if you're wearing, like, boxer briefs or uh, tidy whities or Speedos right, or whatever right. Euro shit you found yourself wearing. No, I wear know, boxer briefs. Right. Um, that maybe, yeah, you got to work them out a little bit. I guess so. Because there's one, one or two pairs I found that have actually, like, Worked out better as time has gone by. Some of them I'm revisiting. Some of them are just in the trash. But that's the shitty part about uh, underwear is if you buy... (laughs) I'm sorry, but, you know... I think we all know what the shitty part is. Tape's rolling. Oh, all right, all right. Tape's rolling. (laughs) Tape's rolling and we're just going with it. Uh, Tape rolling? There's no tape anymore. It's... uh, what. some, something's rolling. Old man yells at cloud. <laughs> Old man yells at cloud. Is that what this episode is called? <laughs> but anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, no, but I feel really uh, sad about that. That uh, I, I bought a bunch of underwear that I'm never going to wear again. And you can't donate it to charity. Nobody's taking used underwear. And I don't blame them, as you shouldn't. But what the fuck do you do with them? You throw them away? Cool. It's just a waste of, uh, you know, material. Uh, you know, adding to the landfill without uh, without, uh, without any sort of need for it, you know? Yeah. Sustainable but- fashion is actually... A- a, yeah. It needs to be a bigger topic than it is because I think the oh, I disposable so. nature of clothes sure. is a really huge uh, environmental Maybe I should buy disposable problem. underwear. I don't know that they have that. Just single-use uh, oh, single underwear? I, that, think, it, I that, think it's called a diaper. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the one, the one, the, 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 your solution <laughs> to the problem of sustainable fashion is single use underwear. Yeah, nice. It can be. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. They, but, but like something like biodegradable, you know, maybe make it out of, I don't know, seaweed. <laughs> <laughs> could be, could be. Is, is, is this whole podcast going to like keep revolving back to underwear? Apparently point, it just, is. Just to make each other laugh. If. We haven't laughed enough this episode. Let's talk about underwear. If any of our <laughs> listeners are manufacturers of underwear. Especially uh, out of seaweed. Uh, contact us because there might be some yeah, synergy pro- happening here. Or some product placement that we could make like uh, tens of dollars off of. <laughs> <laughs> we can make tens of pairs of underwear off of. Yeah. Wait, do underwear come in pairs? Not really, right? No, but you would say I have a pair. I have one pair of underwear. You do say that, right? But it's like, you're only talking about one thing, right? Exactly. I have one pair of underwear left, uh, but it's just one. You know, uh, Germans don't really do that. They no, say, they just say uh, they say I have one one. Even though hosen is a plural word, they would say I have one hosen. I have one pants. Hmm. So you would say instead of one pair of underwear, you'd say I have one underwears. 
That's a mixed up culture. See, it? maybe if we change the nomenclature around underwear, we can solve the sustainability issue. Oh. Because if we're only talking about one thing rather than a pair, then we've already cut the waist in half. Yeah. And there's there's actually no gnomes in nomenclature. <laughs> that I know of. All right, now I'm getting ridiculous. Um, bring bringing it back, bringing yeah. it back to the beginning. Well, Jack, this has uh, been a this has been a pleasure as uh, always. It's it's I been feel a fun like, journey. I feel like we've we've really gotten to the heart of a lot of things right. around underwear specifically. Oh, God damn it! Sorry. You know. Don't apologize. Okay. Don't you ever fucking apologize. <laughs> I'm to sorry. Me again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. God damn it. I keep doing it. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. And until the next installment of right. underwear related uh, triviality. Next time we'll talk about road trips. That'll be good. Okay. Or just journeys, journeys in life, journeys in life. or something. Maybe we'll have an epiphany uh, during the week. Um, yeah. But uh, this this time it was nice to talk about what it's like to be a displaced person. Yeah. You know. And then, displaced people that found their place. Yeah, exactly. And then feel displaced when they go anywhere else again. So, yeah. Okay. Until next week, uh, we'll be talking about uh, road trips and underwear involvement mm -hmm. in road trips. All right. We need we need we need a good sign off sort of. We like. have music. Oh, really? So it just goes into music. Fuck yeah! We're gonna have like a like a sign off catchphrase, like 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 uh, wear your underwear. <laughs> oh, that's our catchphrase. <laughs> this is Jack and Rob. Uh, make sure you wear your underwear, hey, everyone. Don't, don't forget to. Keep your underwear under there. <laughs> <laughs>